Good morning. As we gather, let's prepare our hearts for worship by hearing the words of this song. everyone welcome to worship at fusion we're so glad that you're here and welcome also to those of you who are worshiping and connecting with us online hear the word of the lord this morning from psalm 33 
God's word says, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Amen. Please stand and worship with us. Let your kingdom come here, let your will be done here in us. Jesus, there is no one greater, you alone are Savior, show the to fusion and it looks like the kids can read so that's awesome smart kids here at fusion so i am jeff lies and uh if you didn't know it you're at fusion uh, which is pretty cool to have you all here and have all of you join online so welcome welcome to worship and um i did this last time when i was up if if you would like to reach me or contact me or have questions or need uh, assistance from church, you can take your phone, take a picture of that, and you'll have my information. Okay? So a few, uh, a few announcements. Uh, you should have received an email in the last week, week and a half, about the budget process. If you didn't know, we're in the middle of the budget process for next year. Um, the staff has done a, a great job of putting together a budget uh, that we can consider 
in this time period between uh, when you got the email, October 22 and, and November 8, you have the opportunity to look at it, submit any questions you want to uh, the staff. I believe Norland's email is the one that uh, you, can, you can contact. Then on Wednesday, November 11, we have a town hall meeting in here about the budget, where you can come uh, see it presented and ask any questions at that time. Um, then we're going to vote. And November 16, council will uh, either change things up or approve your vote of affirmation on the budget. Okay. Since the last time I put my name up there with my email, I've had a lot of questions about COVID and our policies, and it's getting cold, right? What are we going to do? Well, we're looking at it, trying to figure it out. There's a lot of rising cases. So how do we address and make sure that we're doing um, both encouraging community, encouraging relationships, as well as making sure we're, we're following, following policy and procedures to keep everyone safe. So. Um, Please keep us in your prayers as we decide through that and, and uh, continue to give us patience. If you have been living in a, a hole and, you, and didn't know, uh, elections are Tuesday. <laughs> so, um, you know, prayerfully vote for that and uh, vote your conscience. But whatever the result, we know our Lord and Savior is in control. So, let's pray using the words from uh, Psalm 89. I will sing the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones, for who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the counsel of the Holy Ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging seas when its waves mount up. You still them. The heavens are yours, and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. Your arm is endowed with power, your hand is strong, your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to worship today with the full knowledge you are in control. You, who has created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, who sent his son to walk on earth so that this world might be turned toward you. Yes, let us sing of your great love forever. Who is like you, Lord? You are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Be with us this week as we worship and then leave this place and go to our families, our schools, our jobs. Let us feel your presence this week as we place our votes on election day and let us see your work in our nation. For we know nothing can take place outside of your command. Because we know your hand is strong and while righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, you lead us with love and faithfulness. Bless us as we acclaim you this week and bring us into the light of your presence so that we might be your light in the lives of those who surround us. Hear us, Lord, as we pray the words you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Might be a little awkward transition. So you might want to see. 
You know, I've said it a thousand times. They didn't teach us anything about this COVID stuff in seminary. We're just kind of figuring it out. But I'm very thankful we get to sort of figure it out together. And as things change and as things come and as things go, I encourage you, um, identify and manage your risks, kind of navigate them. Uh, as they affect you and will work as a church. I was thankful this week we got together for a trunk or treat. We were able to hand out candy. Uh, adults were masked and gloved. Yeah, we were masked and gloved. <laughs> Tell you how they dress me. Um, and so we're, we're figuring out how to do things. And if we need to step forward or step back, we'll, we'll just do that together. Does that kind of make sense? Um, I'm really glad to be here again. This is becoming kind of a groove, and I'm thankful for the chance to share ministry, kind of walk across the hall and um, dig into the book of Daniel together. We're, we're into a very intriguing portion of Daniel, the seventh chapter, and I'll talk more about that. But for now, I'd like to read um, selected verses. It's a very long chapter, and so I've kind of taken about a, a third to a half of them. Go back and um, look, but I think you'll follow the train of things here uh, as we read. Hear the Word of God recorded for us and preserved across centuries in the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the, the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. And now he describes those, one that looked like, uh, sort of like a lion, but different than any lion he'd ever seen in a zoo. One kind of like a bear, but more than that, another, a leopard, and a fourth that was just beyond description. Now, verse 9, as I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool, his throne was flaming with fire, and his wheels and its wheels on the throne were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from beneath him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me, was one like a son of a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence he was given authority glory sovereign power all nations and peoples of every language worshiped him and god alone is worshiped his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed Verse 15, now I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. Well, yeah, I approached one of these standing there and I asked him the meaning of all this. So he told me and he gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are, are four kings that will rise from the earth, but the holy people of the most high, ah, they will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and forever. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying. I was told the fourth beast will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away from that fourth beast and completely destroy, be completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom, because he's the king, his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Let's pray. Father, years ago, a believer, 
was awakened in the middle of the night and shown something he could hardly comprehend. And even when he entered into that, was given an interpretation, it still troubled him. And yet in faithfulness, he recorded it. It's been passed on through centuries faithfully. And now, by your grace, we can open it up, translate it, read it, study it. But most of all, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be present to illumine to our hearts and our minds what you intended to speak in this chapter. Thank you that you're greater than my brokenness or confusion or sin. You can make Jesus clear to your people. Use me to your glory in that regard. We thank you for this time. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. What a weekend. Have you stopped to think about everything that's going on? Halloween. Last campaign of campaigning. Don't even get me started about which is scarier for me. There's a full moon this weekend. Change the clocks for daylight savings time. And let's just move past college football. What a weekend. Who could imagine? So it's the perfect weekend to start into Daniel chapter 7. You know, we knew when we were, uh, we felt like the Lord was leading us to get into seven, into Daniel. Our commitment is to preach through the scripture. And so sooner or later we would get here. And so sooner or later we'd need to look at some of these important transitions and things. The first thing I want you to understand about what we're seeing here is that there's an important transition in the book of Daniel. And we're moving into it with the seventh chapter. The first six chapters are what I'd call historical narrative. Daniel is sharing events from his life and things that are going on. You can place them in time. The characters uh, are historical events. These things are recorded. They're given to us as history. Well, chapter 7, though it continues in the Aramaic language, that started in chapter 2, but it continues all the way through this, this second language. Chapter 7, we come into a whole new kind of writing. If that was historical narrative, now we're in what you would call apocalyptic dreams and visions. Daniel's asleep, and he knows when he's asleep. This is a real experience for him. But he has this dream and this vision, and he sees things like he's never seen before. You see all through this passage, I saw one like there was like a lion. He's seeing things he's never seen before and trying to faithfully communicate them. We need to recognize that and receive it in that way. Now, at this point, many people will ask me, oh, we're into the prophecy segment of Daniel. And I'll say, absolutely, if by prophecy. You see, one of the questions you always need to ask in relationships and conversation with people is, what do you mean by that? If by prophecy, that word, you mean speak forth God's word to God's people, then we're in prophecy. But if you mean prophecy, figure out the schedule of events on planet Earth that God has kept secret, but we get to know. I want to suggest to you you're going to get confused and you'll never be able to make sense out of Daniel 7. See, what I think Daniel is doing is seeing into a different realm. He lives in the physical world, and I'm very comfortable in the physical world. I'm American. I went to college. I work on my car. So cause and effect, that makes sense to me. But Daniel is awakened, and he sees something that's very real, but that's very different. He, see, he sees into the realm of the Spirit. Now, there's a lot we need to dig into on that, and I can't do it in this time. But if you'll go to the sermon resources that Aaron and I have put together for this weekend, you click on that and go to the website for sermon resources, there'll be a link to a longer blog that I've done. See, from the very beginning, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible has had a very complex, nuanced view of reality. I live among many people who just want to say it's cause and effect. There's nothing but physical, material stuff. And the Bible is more nuanced and complex. It says there's that, but there's more too. The two kind of relate to each other, but it's hard to know just exactly what that means. The one verse I will point to, the passage, is in Ephesians 6. Do you remember the Apostle Paul? He writes, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, 
but with rulers, see he uses kingly language, rulers, powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. The book of Revelation, John says four different times, it's very significant. You need to, when you study Revelation, keep this in mind. Several times he says, I was in the spirit and I saw. What he's seeing is something from a different realm than simply the physical. And if you take something from this realm and try to squeeze it into that realm, you're going to run into confusion and complexity. You can't take the highly nuanced, complex, beyond our ability to really grasp and control and squeeze it in to cause and effect what I can control. Let me give you an example of that. Years ago, my wife and I moved to California to go to seminary, and we made that trip across country in a Volkswagen bus. Now, there is hardly a more simple vehicle than a Volkswagen bus. Four air-cooled cylinders. I could take them out while she was grocery shopping. The, I love the throttle cable in that thing. It was the same piece that you have on a lawnmower. It was that. Have, have you ever seen the movie Little Miss Sunshine? Documentary. <laughs> we had one of them. It was a different color, but it broke down just like that. So you see a Volkswagen bus. Now let me put over here on this side, space shuttle. Very complex, very nuanced, very significant. Pinnacle of, of ingenuity and engineering. If I told you I want you to make the space shuttle turn into a Volkswagen bus, you'd say, oh, we're taking something so complex and breaking it apart by making it too simple. I want to warn you that when you try to take the complexity, the realm of the spirit, and squeeze it into the physical cause and effect, you're open for confusion. Be careful. Now, when I talk about apocalyptic, and we're here, this different realm, typically I find two different re responses to it. You'll read apocalyptic literature, and there'll be folks who go, oh, I want to find out about that. And I, I'm guessing we've all been to those weekend seminars where the guy has the timeline and the charts and the exotic pictures of all these things, and he ends up by saying, and this is where the Bible tells us today's headlines. Now, we're all children of that book, The Late Great Planet Earth. I'm old enough to remember that book written in 1970 and revised about every three years <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> when you take the complex, the spiritual, and try to press it into the cause and effect, you see, you end up making it about ancient kingdoms or future speculations, but you don't speak to what I'm facing in my life right now. That's what the gospel speaks to, and that's why I want you to see today. Daniel 7 can send you home differently than you walked in. Another typical response I get as people struggle with apocalyptic is they just, oh, forget it. They've seen some of those other kind of things, and they just say, I, I, I'm going I'm to do something practical. I'm going to feed somebody. Well, that's good, but I want to suggest to you, you don't cultivate a living relationship by simply being good. You need to encounter God, and God has said, meet me in the Scripture here in Daniel 7. See, I think, um, who is that guy? He says in Luke 24, the law and the 2447, the law and the prophets are about me. Do you remember Jesus saying the whole Old Testament? He says it several times, but it's about me. If we read Daniel 7 and see future speculations but miss Jesus, we've missed what Jesus said it was about. So I want to invite you to see Daniel 7 as a little different than perhaps you've ever seen it before. Daniel, in real time in history, is entering and recording a different realm. It's a whole different thing. They'll relate, but they can be different. And I can simplify this. You know, there's basically three key characters in this whole thing. The first would be the four beasts. I get it, one character, four beasts, but roll with me here. It's apocalyptic. There's a lion, there's a bear, there's a leopard. Listen to Daniel, beginning in verse 2. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion. You see, like a lion. 
a lion coming up out of the sea. We're in different space here, friends. And it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being and the mind of a human was given to it. I never saw a lion do that at the San Diego Zoo. We're in a different setting. And as I read that, the bear, the leopard, the indescribable one with many horns, I realize it's not unlike Daniel chapter 2 in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, a unified statue, different materials, different kingdoms. Here, the great winds churn up the sea and out come four beasts. He sees them all at the same time. Now, we're told in the interpretation at verse 15, Daniel's so disturbed, he wants to ask somebody, what does this mean? And they begin to unpack it. And they say, four kings. There'll be kingdoms that rule and affect people. But that's not the only thing going on in this story. Because then verse 9, there comes one called the Ancient of Days. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. Whoa. Picture that. So four beasts who are kings. The Ancient of Days, who's set up in a court to render judgment. And the story goes on. There's another character. In my vision at night, Daniel records, looking into a different realm, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Four beasts who are kings, the ancient of days who will judge, and there comes one like a son of man who will be worshipped, who will be ruling forever and ever. He's given authority and glory. Three key characters he sees. And friends, this plays out into our lives. I want to give you three key points that I encourage you to let Daniel 7 speak to you. The first is that this parade of monsters has a fixed endpoint. Those beasts and the kings they represent, I'm just going to use the term monsters because I've never seen anything like that, hardly know what to make of it. Now, people who were eventually taken back to Jerusalem and brought with them this book of Daniel would read this and they'd see the Babylonian empire had risen and fallen, a symbol for it is a lion. They'd seen the Medo-Persian kingdom with Cyrus come and go. They'd seen Alexander the Great who rapidly, like a leopard, conquered those lands and now another kingdom from Rome with ten hills comes and dominates Israel. And in the second century B.C., the Jewish people, they call it the era of the Maccabees. There's a, a Roman general, king, emperor, Antiochus Epiphanes, who violates the temple, does unspeakable wicked things. Boy, it looks like it's just playing out, doesn't it? Exactly what Daniel saw in the spiritual realm, he now kind of sees in history. A few centuries later, Jesus comes. Decades after that, the death and resurrection of Jesus, there's a Roman emperor, Nero, who's persecuting the church. The church reads Daniel 7, and they say, oh, yeah, we've seen kingdoms come and go, but now the fourth beast is here like never before. Different king, but seems to express the same kind of wickedness as that fourth uh, king and beast. Let's now move through history 15 centuries. You wouldn't want to go one century at a time, would you? But it's there, 15 centuries. Martin Luther, the reformer. This is Reformation Sunday. Martin Luther stands for the gospel of Christ at risk of his life. And he reads Daniel 7, and you'll see in his commentary, he says, ah, that pope, he's the fourth beast. Martin Luther would see something 
that affected his physical world, but it related to something more. Ah, the 20th century has multiple candidates here. People would read Daniel 7 and see Adolf Hitler at work and Joseph Stalin and Mao Zedong. So how is it that one vision seems to flex into a variety of different historical settings? It's because we battle not simply against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. This spiritual realm affects what we live through, but the message guides all of us, the Maccabees, the early church, the Reformation church, and each of us here today. See, I want to tell you, I believe that history will be filled with a parade of monsters, a succession of anti-God rulers, both physical and spiritual, but that there will be a fixed end point. These monsters don't go on forever. Well, tell me what date it will end, Pastor Bill. I'll defer you to my Savior, Jesus, who said that's up to the Father to know. I'm leaving it with him. Tell you a second thing I see in this passage that speaks power to my life. It's that God himself, the ancient of days, will judge with justice. He's the Lord. He created all in the physical, all in the spiritual. Everything is accountable to him, and he will judge. Justice will be established. We'll approximate it as broken sinners in this world, but there's coming a day when every tear will be wiped away, when all wickedness will be swept away. The judge himself, but it doesn't end there because there's a third character, the son of man who will be worshiped, who will come to rule and to reign. So we see that God the Father will judge and there's one who will redeem, who'll pay the price of the judgment, taking it upon himself to gather his people from every tribe and tongue and nation. You see where this is going, don't you? But I want to push you because of where you and I live in history. You and I see something very clearly that Daniel, the prophet of God, could only see in a dream state. You and I <laughs> know more than Daniel. Think about it. Let's make this a timeline in history. Daniel would look into the future and he'd see that corrupt government would have an end, that there would be one, the ancient of days, who would judge, but a son of man will come and rule. We now look back. And you know what we see that Daniel didn't? The cross. The cross. We see in history that God entered into human life, the incarnation of Jesus, that Jesus, as God, went to the cross and gave his life for us, that he was raised to conquer death, and that he can rule and reign. His kingdom will have no end. Look at the life of Jesus, his death and his resurrection. We see in our physical history the one that Daniel could only see in a vision. That's good news. Go away from this gathering this day and understand that the parade of monsters has a fixed end point. It'll be done. And justice will be established by the one who created all. But there is one like a son of man. We've seen what he came and what he did at the cross. We wait and trust for what he will come and complete. I want to tell you something, how this plays out in my life. And here I'm just going to let you kind of look over my shoulder at, at kind of my own struggles, see if they speak to you. You see, there are monsters in my own heart right now. My heart is blown to and fro by conflicting forces that can't really be seen sometimes. My fear, my self-righteousness, my pride, but they have real impact. COVID is a real thing. A family in the school that I was um, leading in Louisiana passed away from COVID on Friday. I know a wife and three kids that are grieving. This plague, like a lion with wings, devours who it will. It presses in on my heart like a beast. I've been in ministry for 40 years and the sexual brokenness that permeates our culture at this point 
is crushing to me. You know, the Greek word for inappropriate sexuality of all sorts is porneia. I don't know if you've seen the research that the New York Times has done about the dramatic increase in pornography and particular types of pornography that are too unspeakable to even mention here. There is a beast like a bear eating people in marriages. It presses on my heart as a pastor. Now, maybe it's just me, but I really am nervous about economic collapse. Consider me old-fashioned, but I think if you print $2 trillion, I saw what happened in Germany. I'm kind of nervous now. Economic collapse like a leopard with wings, speedy and unexpected destruction. But few things rattle me more than a spirit of anarchy and lawlessness, self-pride and relentless and dangerous. And friends, pardon me for pushing, but whether it's the streets of recklessness in Portland or whether it's conversations to storm the Michigan State House and kidnap a governor, that's not people exercising their rights. That's not dissent from inside our system of government. That's anarchy from outside aimed at pulling it all down. There are storms and beasts in my heart. But I want to tell you, the Ancient of Days will call an end to that. And he'll say no more. I told Celebration this morning, I'm so thankful. I know that my king will be on the throne today and Thursday. Not sure how the election's going to go. I'll vote responsibly. You do the same. But you can go away knowing that the ancient of days is not up for a vote. His term never ends. And there is one, like a son of man, who will come and establish his kingdom. He's earned it at the cross, and he's called me into it. You know, the kingdom that Jesus gave his life to establish has begun. It's begun in the heart of every believer that says, Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. His kingdom rule has begun here. Now, some days I forget it and need to be reminded of it. Other days I forget it every 30 minutes and needed to be reminded of it. But it's true because of what Jesus did at the cross. His kingdom shall have no end, and it rules and it reigns right here. How about you? Right there with you. That's the gospel that God has given us for this world. We live differently. Friends, I want to tell you, God's people have been living under his rule and reign established at the cross for centuries, and we live differently. I'll close with a story about a, a Scottish pastor and hymn writer. If Luke's watching, we got you in mind, though I realize Ireland or Scotland are two different countries. <laughs> Samuel Rutherford, 17th century Calvinist. He was no stranger to suffering and persecution. As a young man, just starting off his ministry, he was exiled by church authorities from Scotland for writing in defense of the doctrines of grace, what I've just taught you. As an old man, so he gets it coming and going, when the monarchy was reinstated under Charles II, he was charged with high treason because of a book he wrote in which he argued that even monarchs are subject to the law of God. When the court delivered that summons to him, he rose up on the deathbed and he responded, tell that king I have got a summons already. One before a superior court and judge, I must appear and I'm determined to answer that summons. Ere your day, it will come, but there will be few kings and great folks there. You see, Samuel Rutherford lived under the lordship of Jesus Christ, earned at the cross. Oh, yes, I believe he'll come again. Oh, yes, I believe there'll be a greater working out of his authority and kingdom. But right now, it can rule right here. And I can face this crazy world with joy and with peace to share. That's what it means. Samuel Rutherford's hope was placed in the knowledge that there would soon come a time when his, this physical world would have run its course and be replaced by a better one. That's the gift of the gospel. Let me pray for you.
Father in heaven, we thank you that centuries ago, Daniel saw something in a dream state, a glimpse, as it were, I believe, into a, a realm of the spirit that's uh, different but similar, connected somehow. But in the midst of that, you made clear to him that there would come an end to corrupt government, that God our Father would be the righteous judge, and God the Son would be our Redeemer. Help us to see in Daniel the good news of the gospel and to hear the call to surrender life to Jesus that he might rule and reign in our hearts in this moment. Father, we trust you and we love you. Guide us, give us eyes to see the hope of the gospel in all that you have for us. For we make our prayer in the mighty and marvelous name of Jesus. And all of God's people sit together. Amen and amen. It's rocking. <laughs> I invite you to stand and worship.
receive the benediction of our God taken from the book of Jude, verses 24 and 25. They're a great promise that God has made. This was the text used yesterday at the memorial service for Jean Van Weeren, the most elderly uh, member of Hardwick. This was her favorite verse. Her grandson preached it. The promises of God are from generation to generation. And now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, both now and forevermore. Amen? Amen. I encourage you as you head off, we're moving traffic this way, distance, friendly, COVID bear hug. Grace to all. Be God's light wherever he sends you this week. Thank you.